Hello and welcome to Come Out and Play, the D&D podcast that's all trans, all the time. My name is Benjamin, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be your DM for this campaign. I am Shay, I use they, them pronouns. I am playing Alusha, who uses she, her pronouns, and she is a noble elf. I'm Mel, I use they, them pronouns, and I will be portraying Terpsichore, a all-around fun person to be with, and who uses a variety of pronouns. I'm Chris, I play Rill, and we both use he, him pronouns. My name is Moss, I use ze, them pronouns, and I'm playing Ember, who uses they, them pronouns. They are a human paladin of the singing flame. Okay, so diving back into the madness. Last episode, the players all went to a puppet show. And Tupsikari heckled the puppet show. Repeatedly. I very reasonably. I did not say anything. Nothing was set on fire. That is entirely true. There was just a lot of illusory heckling and a small scuffle with a dragon, a pseudo dragon familiar. Tupsikari has been kicked out of the puppet show and refunded due to some good persuasion rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but Annette Tupsikari's lady love has stayed in the puppet show due to some bad persuasion rolls. Just fine. It's completely fine. It's totally fine. So as things stand, Tupsikari and I think Ember mm-hmm. are out in the street, outside of a tavern in which there is a puppet show. And Rill, Alusha and Annette are inside, sitting on the floor, watching the puppet show, and all three of them are drinking Rill's beer. <laughs> the show is continuing. The puppet who has been singing a song. That song is just coming to its end, and we'll pick up there. I don't know if any of you want to kind of jump in and do a thing, or I'll go to the next bit of the... Yeah, no, Ember's just tossing pebbles in the street, which is boring, so. Uh, Rill is going to, he's clapping, he, he enjoyed it after uh, the shenanigans mm-hmm. happened. Alicia is just slamming Rill's beer. Okay, I was going to say, if there's any beer left of what he had, he's going to give the rest of it to either Alicia or Annette and try <laughs> to... <laughs> Uh, try to sidle towards the stage, I guess? He wants okay, to try but... and catch uh, Odysseus. Sure, by. I mean, the, sh- the show is continuing. It was just that song. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were done with that. Never mind. Yeah, that, that song has wound to an end. Um, there's general applause. A little more subdued than it probably would have been had the show not been thoroughly interrupted. But appreciative. And one of the original two dancing puppets is brought out from under the billowing cloak and clacks down onto the wooden stage as if it was wearing tiny, tiny tap shoes. So now Odysseus has got one puppet kind of, it's still, it's seated on his forearm, kind of leaning back against his chest, sort of cradled there. And the other hand is operating the strings of a marionette. Um, And he says to the crowd in general, would anyone like to come up and dance? And he is looking straight at Annette. Which doesn't seem entirely unreasonable because she is about the same height as <laughs> a half-sized marionette operated by a half-elf. Like you know, 
in terms of people who could dance with this marionette, the halflings are definitely the better bet. She's not the only halfling in here, but he is looking straight at her and she kind of looks around to see if there's someone beside her that he might be looking at and shrugs to herself and sticks her hand up in the air. And as you look around, there are various other people who've got hands raised. Um, One human child of about eight years old is jumping up and down. Pick me, pick me. But Odysseus just kind of smiles and crooks his fingers at Annette, who, looking a little sheepish and embarrassed, but she's game, gets up, picks her way through people seated on the ground and hops up onto the little stage and sort of squares up with the marionette and looks up at Odysseus and looks back at the marionette and kind of awkwardly curtsies. And of course, the marionette bows back, which gets some more laughter. The musicians strike up again with another dancing pattern. This is simpler than the previous dancing tune they were playing. The melody is much is a short looping thing and the beat is more straightforward. This is, you know, they're trying to make it easy for the volunteer to keep up with things. It kind of looks, Odysseus is sort of, he's trying to strike a balance between letting Annette lead and giving her cues as to how to do this, because this is, this is actually unrehearsed. And the puppet that's sitting on his arm is looking down approvingly and as the dance starts to become something recognisable as a dance, the puppet on the arm starts clapping in time, which is really impressive because his only Odysseus's only free hand is being used to operate a marionette. So it's double puppet time. And the, the, the music gradually speeds up. Annette gradually goes from kind of awkward and embarrassed to smiling and looking like she's enjoying herself up there as the dance speeds up. And you do notice as it speeds up, it gets a lot smoother. It goes from Annette trying to work out where she should be to dance with this puppet and Odysseus reacting to her, to both of them moving in concert. It starts to look as if this has been rehearsed, as if this is a planned and choreographed piece as they get smoother and the music gets faster and the clapping gets louder and people start joining in clapping along with the puppet as Annette and the marionette dance around each other. And sometimes in ways that you're not quite sure that's physically possible with where the strings are, but it seems to work. And as the song reaches its climax, Annette spins on the spot and stops facing the audience with her arms out and the marionette bows on one side of her and the other puppet jumps out of Odysseus's hold and lands neatly on the ground next to her on the other side and also bows. Ooh. And the crowd goes wild. At the end of the applause, Annette looks not up at Odysseus, but over at the puppet who nods. And then Annette comes off the stage and finds her way back to you and sits down with you again. Um, she, her cheeks are very pink from the exertion of dancing, but she looks delighted with this whole affair. 
up on stage, the the actors moved into a kind of storytelling where the little silver and purple cat-sized dragon is now participating in the story. And Odysseus is narrating as the two simple marionettes are, sorry, as the two simple marionettes are being alternately threatened and fought off by these other puppets. And he's telling a story about you know, a dragon attacking a farm and, and these heroic young people are going to fight it. And it's all very... <sighs> You've never heard this specific story before, but you definitely feel like you've heard this story before. This is not innovative. It's a fairly straightforward and then we fought a dragon kind of story. The only unusual thing is that there is sitting on the front edge of the stage with her legs stretched out and crossed in front of her and her weight apparently leant back on her arms, which is, you know, good articulation in a puppet like this. Um, is the third puppet not moving it's just looking out across the crowd propped up there as the story goes on behind it and there are some there are some basic displays of magic going on there's some sparks sometimes and there's some rumbling noises nothing particularly unusual the crowd looks wrapped and annette in particular is just watching this wide-eyed and the last part of the show involves both of the marionettes, one in each hand, dancing a slow and romantic waltz as the third puppet is sitting on Odysseus's shoulder the way that the little dragon was before and singing. And it's singing the love song to which the other two puppets are performing. And at the end of things, as the puppets come into a closer embrace and the music crescendos and the, the puppet that holds this high, clear, lasting note, the dragon, which is perched on the curtain rail, spreads its wings and rears up to its full height and flaps its wings. And as it flaps its wings, a sphere of darkness blossoms out from Odysseus and engulfs all of the puppets and the dragon and the stage and several rows in front of the stage and then clicks back into light and as the darkness vanishes the stage is empty. Uh, if you're still standing outside you can definitely hear the applause at this point. I make a very sour face. <laughs> Rill is very impressed and applauding. Annette is also applauding wildly next to you. She's probably going to stand up, in fact, which means she's at the same height as everyone who's sitting down applauding. But, you know, she's trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the spirit is there. You get the impression that is the end of the show. People are sort of turning back to their conversations. There's a, a rush for the bar as people want refills. I think Alusha joins that rush for the bar. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> just been sat out there with Ember. Just, have we just been sat there in silence? As I sulk. Well, I suppose it, 
seems like it's finished now. Mm. I wonder if you're allowed back in now that the show is presumably over. Well, I wouldn't want to cause any more of a any more of a fuss. <laughs> I'm sure. Says with no trace of sarcasm. Not until my. Not, not until my. Not until my. <laughs> Um, Real, I think he wanted to track down the performer. I, yeah, I did, but if he just done disappeared off the stage... Uh-huh. Well, it was a very impressive disappearance, but with a moment of thought, yep. you figure he probably stepped back behind the curtain. Yeah, that does make sense. Alright, can I, like, can I go back? I'm not a performer or anything. Can I go back there and nobody stops me, or...? Yeah, no one, no one is um, keeping a guard on it. Um, one of the musicians has come over and has started putting out the candles in the little footlights. Um, looks up at you and doesn't seem bothered one way or the other. Okay, I'm going to duck behind that little curtain then. It's quite a cramped little space back there. It's actually only about a yard deep. There's a, a shelf, several shelves, and they have the kind of detritus that gathers backstage. You know, there's lanterns and extra candles and wicks and little pellets that probably make smoke but also there's a drum that someone at some point has put a foot through there's broken bits of costume there's a hat that at one point must have been a very glitzy pirate hat but now has about three pieces of glitz (laughs) it's otherwise just tattered it's a, a small space but it's clearly regularly used and nobody's really cleaned it out in years right so it's like the backstage cubby that just has junk in it exactly it's just very small because it is just tucked behind this curtain rail against the right. wall of the pub um odysseus is that the the more interesting puppet is sitting on the shelf like sitting up um is and it- odysseus is packing away the other two into wooden cases and he looks over at you and looks surprised that you are Nobody he recognizes. Uh, Rill is going to clap uh, quietly in a, you know, congratulatory sort of way. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad You're you welcome. enjoyed the show. It was unlike anything I've seen before. Well, that's what we advertise. Did, did um, would you like an autograph? Is it free? <laughs> <laughs> no. Would you like to pay for it? <laughs> Well, I could buy you dinner instead. He looks, he kind of rapidly cycles from startled to intrigued. I can't believe you betray me like this. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure, but... Best not here, because people do tend to come over after the show. Of course. Do you know where the geode is? Yes. All right. How about over there, whenever you get done? About an hour? Uh, I won't need that long to pack up. Give me ten minutes. I'll walk with you. Okay. And Rail's going to duck back outside, assuming Odysseus will find him, you know, when he leaves. He's very intrigued, and he checks you out as you duck back behind the gun. <laughs> hey! 
and sure enough, after about 10 minutes, um, he will appear. He's still wearing that cloak, but the, a lot of the billowing has stopped. It's just looking more like a normal cloak now. Um, he's changed some of his costume. I think he's probably still wearing his trousers because they're fairly interchangeable, but he's taken off the flashy tunic shirt combination that he had on and is now wearing something more more street clothes. You don't see him carrying any big boxes or puppets. He's just got like a like a messenger bag satchel slung over him. And he picks his way through the, the crowd and waves to people and, and nods and stops for a little chat when, when someone hails him, but is moving fairly fairly directly towards the door without being rude to anyone. He does stop at the bar, which is near the door, and um, has a brief chat and they hand him a, a purse of coins and then step out into the street. Are you all in the street? Is it just real? Have people left? Uh, uh, I think I was sticking around for for a minute. Um, that's right, you were. I think having had a lovely time watching the rest of the show, and with no particular reason to stay, Annette will come out shortly after the show finishes, and look at you, still waiting faithfully for her company. A sweet Barbie who's never done anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to shake her head and hold out an arm. Oh yeah. I will walk her within the vicinity of home. Yeah. <laughs> she might be persuadable to stop and have a cocktail somewhere first. Oh, fantastic. Well, what if I offer to tell her stories of Daring Do? Exactly. She would love to hear some stories of Daring Do. I'll tell her some stories of Daring Do. She is pleased. Yeah, <laughs> it, it helps patch things up. <laughs> Ember's still waiting for the rest of the group. Uh, I think Alusha uh, sidles up next to them and she's a little boozy but she's not like uh, sloshed or anything. Uh, she can <laughs> apparently hold her liquor. Um, but uh, she comes up next to Ember and kind of shakes her head fondly thinking back to Tipsicory and um, Annette and it's just like well that was certainly uh, an interesting date to to be witness to. <laughs> yep, it it sure was. It seems to be proceeding well enough, though. All things considered. Yeah, I think they'll both be just fine. Uh, where's Real? Impressive. Real appears at at Ember's elbow. Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Where did you go off to? Oh, uh, I was talking with the puppeteer. Oh, really? Hmm? Uh, about what? Oh, I was just impressed. I haven't seen anything like that. Did you find anything out about that creepy f puppet that I don't think is a puppet? I saw it, but it was just sort of sitting on a shelf. It didn't seem... I don't know. I guess it was just magic. Hmm. I suppose, I suppose that's possible. That's just what I was about to say. 
Rill sort of wriggles the fingers on one hand and pops dancing lights into existence. I mean, little tricks like that wouldn't be too hard. Theoretically. Right, but did all of that seem like little tricks to you? Well, I don't know. I mean... Maybe have somebody helping him? Hmm. What do you think it is? That's certainly a theory. I don't know. I think that puppet seems like its own entity. I don't I don't know why. It just gives me prickles on the back of my neck. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it was it was a little creepy. Puppets are creepy to begin with, to be fair. Well, the other ones looked okay. Hmm. <laughs> they looked okayer. I thought they all seemed more or less fine, but the, yeah, that Felicity one was odd. Yeah. I like that little dragon, though. That was cute. So cute. Oh, yes. I want a little dragon. That was definitely my favorite as well. And around this point, um, Odysseus, in his street clothes, will step out onto the street and first look at Rill and then kind of glance at the other two of you, realising that this is actually a group. Well, I'll catch up with the two of you uh, later. Rill smiles and heads towards Odysseus quickly, (laughs) wanting to avoid possible questions. (laughs) He looks like, yeah, Odysseus definitely goes like, ah, good, this is what I thought it was. Ember glances at Alusha and just kind of questioningly, like, hmm, is something happening here? Alusha's eyebrows are migrating into her hairline, and and she she watches them go, and and she says, I wish I had held on to that drink. Well, we could go get another drink, I guess. Sure, sounds good to me. All right, you can you can step back into the whatever I got the Lark and Lily and get more beer. It's decent beer. It's a average price for a pint. Good places, any? Do they have anything besides beer, like a cider or a wine or something? Oh yeah, they probably don't have. They will have wine. Um, but it's going to be fairly expensive because they only have it by the bottle. So it's not wine-growing country. Um, but they, they will have some wine stashed back there. Um, mostly it's beer or spirits. All right. Uh, Ember will purchase a bottle of wine. Okay. Yeah, you can get a bottle of wine. You can get that they will provide you with cups. You can Now that things are thinning down again, you can find yourself a table and sit down and share a drink. Lovely. I think at this point, Alusha is moving on to, like, rum and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a lot in the way of mixers, so if you're on the spirits, it's like shots. Oh, she's on the spirits. She's on the spirits. She can hold her liquor. This is not a cocktail place. She's completely the opposite of me. She can hold her liquor. <laughs> <laughs> this is my fantasy scenario. 
And yeah, as you were getting pleasantly drunk in, in, in a nice pub, having seen a show, uh, Rill is heading to the Geode, which is the all-night drow diner, with his new half-elf friend, who is walking along with his hands uh, stuck in his pockets, sort of cloak pushed back, and quite happy to chat. With the uh, creepiness of what the party thought about the puppets in mind, Rill is going to keep up light chatter about like how they work. You know, how did how did he get into doing puppetry, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, he's he's kind of has that slightly rueful. This is what everyone wants to know attitude. <laughs> um, he skirts away from the mechanical details of how the puppets work. He's he's giving you the kind of standardized life story of, you know, he first saw puppetry, puppetry done in the traveling shows when he was a, a kid and he really liked it. And he went backstage after one of them when he was about 14 and kind of picked up one and was absolutely terrible at it, but could see conceptually how it would work and that if he practiced, he could make it work. And got the carpenter that they knew to make him a marionette that wasn't nearly as articulated as the ones he has now, of course, but it was enough to start learning on. And this goes on for a while. Right. He picked up a bit of magic along the way to help with illusions. He's quite happy to tell you that. Um, Mm -hmm. You're not really getting anything deeply biographical or deeply technical out of him. Right. And uh, what about the, the fancier one? Oh, Felicity, yeah, she's just a puppet. It works the same as the others. Um, but the strings are a little bit concealed. They kind of run down the back of it. Oh. Makes, well, it, makes her less articulated, but she just looks more impressive. Oh, okay. I... With your hands occupied. Uh, feel free to roll an insight check on that. All righty. Yep. Hmm. Insight. That's going to be a 24. He's, yeah, he's not telling you the whole truth about Felicity at all. He is telling you a lie that has become so familiar that he's stopped putting, like, effort into it. He's just kind of reciting it now. Mm -hmm. This is clearly the story he gives everyone. I just thought it was uh, you using some magic on her, you know, animated or, or something. All this bits of magic through the show, all sorts of illusions. And then the big... Darkness splash at the end always gets people impressed. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. You might be able to do that. Well, if I wanted to. Exactly. It's just that. Uh, the geode is open when you reach it, um, which is unsurprising because it is almost always open. Not particularly full yet. It tends to fill up as the bars start to kick out, which won't be for another hour or two. So you can get yourself a table. No a drink or coffee or, well, it's called coffee, but we make it by fermenting mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Drow coffee. Or, or a bite to eat as you, as you prefer. Bill's going to get some drow coffee and a, a bite to eat. Odysseus will kind of take your cue on that and do similarly. In contrast to you, your companions last time you came here, he does look like he knows what to expect from drow coffee. Oh, good. <laughs> he does not appear startled, but it is, in fact, not coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as you're sitting with your coffee, you'll say, so 
What brings you to this city? Uh, traveling. With a purpose? Rill gives a little bit of a shrug. Uh, sort of. Not a, not a concrete one, but I just, uh, like to see some interesting things. See the rest of the world, you know? Mm, I know that one. What have you seen? Well, human fashion is not what I thought it would be. But... <laughs> and uh, I joined a I joined a guild, so that was interesting. We've been really? doing a little bit of traveling for that. So if you need any letters delivered, I'm your guy. Let, oh, the couriers that have started up. Mm-hmm. I I saw they were hiring. But, uh I'm making enough of the performances that I didn't need it. It's probably for the best. It can be a little dangerous, uh, apparently. Well, this sounds exciting. Oh, it can be. Rill's going to give him a edited version of uh, their adventures. I assume edited to leave out Alusha's mishaps. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you leaving in the slug? Yeah, as much as it pains me, yes, I'm leaving the slug. He is appropriately grossed out by the slug. In a kind of very sympathetic. Rill is making these like big, like hand wavy. He's he's talking with his hands and like (laughs) that, you know, making like big motions with his arms and everything. Yeah, and then it licks you like this, and half your face rips off. Yeah, (laughs) Odysseus appears to be having a nice time. He's he's having a nice dinner. Or at least a cup of coffee and a sandwich with this nice person who he seems reasonably interested in. He he suspects nothing. Well, I don't know if he has. Any, I I don't know if there's anything to suspect, but he certainly he's just having a very nice time with a, a new person that he's met, who bought him dinner, which is always a promising sign. Mm-hmm. So, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just performing. You can't stay too long in any one place. The audiences get bored with you. Oh, you Well, yes. Slower than you do, by the sounds of it. Um, I stay in one place a few months, half a year, and then I'll move on. And then in a year or two, I'll come back while the audiences still remember me as somebody they enjoyed seeing. But it means they don't get a chance to get bored of me because I'm there all the time, if you see what I mean. Hmm, clever. Probably time I start thinking about moving on from here, but I won't, not until the audience numbers start dipping. At the moment, I'm still pulling them in, so staying put. Refining the show a bit. Well, I'm glad. Maybe I'll come see another one. Please do. He has a very cheeky smile of the, yep, definitely. Getting somewhere with this one. I can let you know when I'm next playing if you give me a way to contact you. Sure. Uh, You can uh, send a letter to the guild or the temple. Messenger? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I can do that. should be around there for a while. He very daringly kind of reaches out and flicks the edge of your veil where you've got religious symbols embroidered in and says, I figured that much. 
it is dark. Like, there's no windows in the geode, right? No, well, there's there are some basement style windows, but they've got curtains on and it's dark outside, so it it is Okay. comfortably dim light in here, and you probably have the veil pushed back. Yeah, Rill's gonna yeah push push the veil, you know, tuck it back. Odysseus very obviously takes a moment to admire you, and then goes back to you know his coffee and his finishing his sandwich. Mm -hmm. So, how long are you in town for before they send you off somewhere exciting? Oh, about a week, I think. Hmm. I could show you around. I think I'll take you up on that offer. You arrange to, to meet him in a couple of days' time if you haven't been sent out of the city by then, or to leave him a note if you have. Sounds good. Unless you have any more, like, specific questions, I think we'll... No, no. That's enough prying for the night, I think. <laughs> you, you have a nice evening, you have a nice conversation. Um... He will actually take his leave first in a, we've been sitting here an hour or so, and we're taking up a table as it, that the, the GO would probably like to seat some other customers at. Um, so he will, he, will, he will take his leave and go back to his lodgings. Um, he will give you a very polished, not, not a performer's bow, but a this is how drow greet each other and say goodbye kind of bow. Rill looks a little surprised and then delighted and returns the bow. And he will head off into the night and, and um, leave you to do as you will. So cute, so gay. <laughs> I wish. This is a dating podcast now and I love it so much. <laughs> I, was, I was absolutely shocked that you two were like, yeah, we're going to go get drunk and then not follow Rill on this weird date. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a weird date. It was a lovely date. No, no, it wasn't a weird date. The person he went with was the weird date. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's probably the only half drow most of you have ever seen. Not a lot of them around. Yeah, real debated asking about that, but decided it might be a little too personal. Do I ask you about your parentage on the first date? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And then he's probably going to head back to the guild where just to, you know, do whatever, sleep, see if anybody's actually back there. Yeah, you, you, you still have access to those, to those beds in the attic, so you can, you can come and go from the guild and you can sleep there while you're in town. I mean, there's no privacy, the kind of dormitories, but you have access. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have a bed there that you can use. Uh, is anybody back by the time I get back? Or I imagine that, um, yeah, I, I imagine Ember would be back and is probably um, fiddling with some hand tools to, uh, they can't quite do any smithing in here, but are maybe doing a little small metal work. Alusha came back with them as well. And uh, I think she's just like, uh, I think she's just like resting, doing a little bit of meditating, a little bit of slightly, slightly sloshed meditating. <laughs> <laughs> you sober up faster if you meditate, well-known fact. <laughs> this is a well-known non-fact. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
and Terpsichore is probably well could could still be having cocktails or could have. I think they're probably by home by now. Just like slaving over slaving over another poem. So <laughs> I invoked thee for my muse and found such fair assistance in my verse as every alien pen hath got my use. And under thee, thy poesy, their poesy disperse. I'm now assuming that Tupsichore is in fact composing poetry out loud with a lot of going back to find out what word fits. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Rill walks into the... You walk like... into this combination of Alusha is meditating, Ember is working on their armour, and Tupsichore is loudly declaiming things that don't quite rhyme yet. That was, that was Sonnet 78, the beginning of the rival poet sequence. <laughs> Perfect. So real. Uh how was your dinner? Alusha immediately breaks out of her meditation. It was good. Nobody stole all of my coffee this time. I I am curious, uh what what sort of dinner this was? Was this a sleuthing sort of dinner? Or and Ember trails off and kind of gives a meaningful look. Uh, Rill is praying that they can't see if he's blushing or not, and uh, <laughs> tries to give a non-committal sort of like hand teetering to the side kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's this? Nothing. Yeah, okay. Our dear friend Wit Rill went on what appears to have been a dinner date with your rival. What? What did you find out? How many nipples does he have? Rill was frantically making like throat slashing gestures. Alusha just shrugs. I don't know. Why don't you ask him? Well, I mean, hmm. Perhaps if I disguised myself. Don't. <laughs> Hmm. Go back to your poetry. Well, well, fine. You have a rhyme for majesty. Travesty. 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 That could work. That could work. Hmm. Odysseus's works are but no. I should probably shouldn't name him. Anyway, I don't know what you thought about his puppets, but he didn't try to ensorcel me or anything. So I think you two are just being paranoid. He ensorcelled me? He could have tried to ensorcel you in some other ways. Well, that's between me and him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. He could be a very powerful warlock, it's true. Some enchantments can last for a long time. And how was Annette? Oh, Annette's, Annette's, um, Annette's very... A, a very forgiving lady and uh, enjoys my um and of course my my poetry uh, and it's and it's just fine uh, what are we going away again i need more material also does anyone know any decent um fine fine workers uh silversmith or something i need i was thinking of a new mechanism so i can uh change the powders in my fire without having to uh, without having to use both hands. Frank, not off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. If you show me how the mechanisms work, I could perhaps learn a thing or two. 
Tobsikari's eyes light up. Probably for the more immediate terms, you'll want to find someone else, but for future adjustments, we may be able to. Really, like dives into her bag and just comes up with, "I have some." You have some what? Drawings. Ah, and Ember goes over them studiously. I love it. Teamwork. Alicia chooses this moment to uh, scooch closer to um, to Rill, and she leans in conspiratorially and is like, "Did you get anything out of him?" Rill moves his mouth like he's trying to figure out how to make words work, and <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no. He just, I don't know, he he told me a little bit about the puppets, but they were just, he's real sort of bites his lip and internally thinks, debates on something for a moment. I still think there's something weird about Felicia, but he seems harmless. Do you mean Felicity? Er, Yes. Okay. I don't know. I still have a weird feeling about it all, but I am glad that you got to go on a date. (laughs) Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe tomorrow we'll find somebody for you to go on a date with. Now that would be smashing. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, every character in this podcast is 13 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We can ask Tepsikari if she has any other rivals. <laughs> I don't know. How, how would Tepsikari feel to have multiple members of her party dating multiple rivals in her circle? Probably not the best. We should absolutely do that. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Tepsikari, you'll be happy to know that uh, Odysseus said he was thinking about moving on in a couple of months, so you won't have to deal with him for very long. Well, good. Surely we'll be moving along before then. Well, I mean, we are expected to come back. True. It's sort of in the in the whole job description of being a courier. If you don't come back, you're just absconding. These are my parcels now. Yes, my strangely heavy lumps of metal. <laughs> Strangely heavy lumps of metal is actually the name of my new band. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we get some rest and see if there are any other jobs for us tomorrow? I think that sounds like a fine idea. Sounds good to me. And then maybe we really can score someone for me. (laughs) Yeah. We do that. Yeah, you, you settle down variously to meditate and sleep, according to personal tendencies. And and morning comes on schedule. <laughs> so how does this work then? How do we how do we find new jobs? Do we just go down and talk to them? Do they come to us? I'm itching to get going again. Hey, this will be your first job. Hold your horses. Yeah, that's true, actually. 
yes, that's why I'm excited about it. I suppose we can go down and ask if they have anything for us. Yep. Let's do that. Fantastic. Yeah, you can do that. Um, I am just looking up a thing so that I can give you accurate statements about the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, you, you go down to the front desk and it is... Um, immediately I've forgotten his name. Orlan! Orlan <laughs> is on the front desk as when you come down and he first raises the counter so you can come out from behind and into the front part of the guild house where the customers usually are, which makes it much easier for him to talk to you. And says, all rested, I hope? All rested and ready to go if there's anything anything to take. There is. There is. What I've got, if you don't mind going on a bit of a longer run this time. How much longer? Um, a week there, a week back. That sounds all right. Yeah, that sounds okay. Fantastic. Uh, what I've got for you is there's a whole collection of books, mainly books, feels like books, uh, going to Kemadosh, which Ooh. I know you should know the way to, Rel. Mm-hmm. Because it's on your paperwork. I do. If you'd be happy to do that run, what we do with the drow cities, because, you know, we're not actually allowed in to most of them. Um, most of the cities will have a kind of internal network of some kind. So you just need to talk to someone on the gate, explain what you're there for. Um, we don't promise that things will get to the right place, but these are all for the temple anyway. So someone will probably come out and collect them when they know you're there. Real nods. This is sensible. Well, I'm um, has to go into the back room to fetch these things. They weren't behind the counter kind of immediately ready to go he comes back with a stack of separately wrapped in waxed cotton to keep them dry four book like objects and then an additional stack of loose papers and letters and things that have been um, put in a, a leather pouch to go along with the set and all of it is just marked up with um, Messenger and She Who Walks in Starlight symbols. Hmm. Any things we should be aware of along the route? Well, used to be the best route was to go through the Doral Tunnel, but, well, you've been up there, so you'd know. Not an option anymore. The dwarves took care of that, so your choices are... And here I am really going to have to pull up a thing and look at it. Because I don't want to lie to you about geography. <laughs> that would be rude. <laughs> you can go further north over the Blue Saddle Path, or you can take the Granite Road round the south, which is technically a much longer route. But there are some tracks over the passes. You don't have to go all the way down the bottom of the mountains and, and back up. You can you can cut across. Uh, all the, the Blue Saddle Path is what brings you in to the north on the jagged coast and you can work your way down that way. There's not a lot in it, to be honest, as long as you don't try and go right down the southern tip of the continent. Mm. Even that will just slow you down some. All right, then. Yeah, so for the Blue Saddle one, you'd go out the way you went toward Hyderal, but then you go across the river and go up north a ways, and it's, it's, it's one of the... I mean, it's not the best-kept road because it's technically not owned 
by anyone exactly, but the the nearest settlement on the other side does try to maintain that road because it's the most useful trade route. So it's fairly obvious which is the road through the pass. Um, or you can go the other way out the city and take the granite road south. Up to you, really. Right, right. Do we have a map? I mean, I know we have a map, but like, do our characters have a map? Uh, yes. Um, Orlan will be able to supply you with a more detailed map than the DM has thus far drawn. Mm. So we can sort of pull, put our heads together over a you table can, yeah. and like plot out. Yeah, and it, it won't have every single cart track on it, but it has the major routes and the major rivers and some idea of what's mountain and what's forest and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, it's a, a smaller map than it would need to be in some other parts of the world because you can only go so far to the north or the west before you hit the edge of the world from here. Mm-hmm. So there's this neat curve around the map beyond which it Oh yeah, happen. I keep forgetting when I look at the map that we don't in fact live on a globe. <laughs> yes, the map yeah. I have given you is not a slice of a globe, it is the full world <laughs> with an edge. That's some, that's some deep lore. Yeah, well it's, it's kind of shallow lore that everyone knows that. World's flat. You probably never heard of the world flat, but the world stopped. Yeah, there's there's an edge. edge You can fall off. There's an edge you can walk into. There there is an edge, and if you keep walking over the edge, you disappear into the void. So people try not to do that. Mm. Is it floating on the back of a turtle? You have not been down to sea. (laughs) (laughs) We don't live far from the edge, to be honest. Probably a couple days' walk, right? Um. Mm. More like you know, a, a few days, yeah. With a with a circled X, and yeah, 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 because it's only a week to a week or so. Yeah, day. it took you like three days to get to to Hyderabad, so you can, you can certainly get to the edge within like five or six days. Mm. There's an adventure. Yeah, and and the jagged coast is essentially the stretch of land on the other side of the mountains from where you currently are, which is. A long curving strip around the other side of the mountains, and then there's an equally curving piece of sea and the edge of the world. You, it's, it's a sea you can't sail across. You can only sail up and down the coast because if you try and sail out, you fall off the world. Right. So in world terms, it's a little bit remote, and there are various settlements. So there used to be a couple of dwarven settlements down there. There's a drow city. Um, it's not far from there to some of the elven places. Right. All right. Well... I hope someone was paying attention to the differences between the routes because Turb Secretary wasn't. I was. I have them not uh, jotted down. Why would we go one way or another? One of them's safer or something? Yeah, I mean, north. It, it's. People don't tend to bother mentioning ways that are both longer and more dangerous. <laughs> yeah, no, in this case, to get to where you're going, there's genuinely not a lot in it. It's just that one way you'd go straight across the mountains and then do your southern travel along the jagged coast. Um, and the other way you would have to go out of the mountains down into the flat, which is where the hobbits are in charge, yeah. and then back up again through a pass to get to where you're going. Oh, we could go for seeing the sea. Yeah. Either way, you end up on the coast. I mean, sure, but we'd see more of it if we go... Yeah, you would. It, it's basically, do you want to climb the mountains from here or have a slightly nicer, more civilised journey for the first couple of days and then climb higher in the mountains to cross them? 
Oh, I quite like to go along the coast more. I do think I'd like to take a moment to mm, see if I feel any pull to any direction since my pull to adventure came from my god. And Sure, you just take a moment to commune. and I know Rill can do a thing where he asks about, he gets specific hints as to good yes. and bad outcomes. I don't know whether Ember can also do that. Uh, no, I, I can... I can do that, but it only works for like the first, like the next hour of whatever we're doing. Yes, that's true. It won't, it won't give you worth several days in advance. Clue. Yeah, unfortunately. I can do it right before we leave, but anything else wouldn't help us very much, I don't think. Yeah, I don't have any special ability. I was just thinking plot-wise. Yeah, and you can you can take a minute or a few minutes to sit down with the map and with your holy symbol and kind of commune with the singing flame. Um, the nature of the singing flame is that it is heavily focused on self-improvement and on becoming the better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So there is, a gem- this is, you know, there is a general knowledge that the singing flame won't necessarily advise you to do things that are pleasant if it thinks that things are going to be good for you, mm-hmm. necessarily. So it's not, it's not as straightforward as this is good luck and that's bad luck. Yeah, yeah. You feel good about taking the job. You feel perhaps a slight pull to the Blue Saddle Pass in the north. All right. Well, it's not entirely clear, but I... I'm leaning towards the blue, the blue settle path as well. Okay, that works for me. Is there anything we need to do to prepare? Um, obviously, you two will want to say to let your friends know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should probably go make an offering before we travel. Uh, does anyone else? I mean, I know. Hey, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Your, who's your like patron god if you don't mind me asking um Featherwind oh yeah gra- well, Grant we'll come down and uh, make an offering together or something yeah absolutely that works uh, other than that I've not got many affairs to settle don't have to tell the landlady I'm going anymore uh yeah uh, uh, Ben, that's, uh, can, can I, can I, can I do the offering a bit? Yeah. Um, you are very familiar with the Featherwind Temple. Um, in fact, all of you have seen it, whether you've been in or not. It's a fairly large building, um, near Temple Bar, which is the gate nearest to the cathedral. Um, a lot of travellers stop there. It has some basic accommodation for people passing through, and it, does a a lot of people make offerings as they're heading out or as they're coming in, and there are priests there who who will give travellers blessings as they leave. I'd like to suggest that um, I'd like to suggest that I'm uh, that like a traditional to like it's um, I swear this is a thing that Roman temples used to do. Um, 
where they have birds that are kind of like kept and bred at the temple and you can buy them to read them um, as well as to, you know, as well as to sacrifice and read their entrails. But, you know, you can also buy them to read them for um, as a kind of offering. Um, yeah. Which I think um, suits for Featherwind. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I'll say that they will, you, you can purchase a dove, which, yeah, of, of they're not, They've not been bred to be perfect white dovecot doves. They're just mm. doves. Um, you can also they they do have a stock of smaller songbirds, um, sparrows mainly, um, mm. which are reasonably easy to keep and breed. Yeah. Oh, I'll buy it. Buy a dove. All right. Um, don't think that the book will give me a handy. This is how much a dove costs. <laughs> um, this I is how look. much a dove costs. Yeah, possible bird sacrifice doves prices, please. Hey, listen. <laughs> I know. I know. Obviously, like all D and D, to eventually be given that that sweet, sweet um, Wizards of the Coast money. I'm going to say it right now. Wizards of the Coast, you are, you're producing a failing product. It doesn't tell information. We need to know. How much a dove cost Wizards of the Coast? <laughs> In this case, it doesn't tell me anything. Um, there are no obvious prices for companion animals, which is what I guess a dove would be. Or a few I'm... silver pieces, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think it's, pro- let's say it's seven silver pieces for a dove. Yeah. I will pay some pieces. Five for a sparrow. So you, you pay up yourself a bit. This is entirely routine business. They are quite happy to sell you a dove. They will let you choose which dove. I like I like this speckled one. It's got sort of a, got a speckly speckly black towards the kind of tips of its wings and tail. It flaps at you as the, the cage is passed over. It's a, a very flimsy like wooden cage made of kind of fairly thin scraps of wood just tied together with string because your average bird not particularly physically strong so it doesn't have to be a particularly sturdy cage and in fairness your average pigeon not particularly no the pigeon will peck at the string with intense accuracy but will struggle with knots Mm. what would you like to do with this bird um, I will probably say a prayer over the, uh, say a prayer over the bird, asking for safe journeys, um, asking, uh, asking to watch over us, asking for the wind to watch over us journeys, mm-hmm. um, to protect us on our tra- to protect us on our, tra- and to lead us to new discoveries. Uh, may he listen. Okay. Yeah. You. Say your prayer, you release the pigeon. It, and certainly Alusha's more than old enough to understand what is meant when I add may he listen. Yes, that's true. Um But the listeners may not should we tell them? <laughs> Why not? Um the, the, I, that is what I'm doing. Yes. Um so adding may he listen to a prayer is something that is is done in this world when the god you would like to address the prayer to is dead. So you are Instead, sending this prayer to some other god whose domain is the closest to the one you're concerned with and hoping that they can and that they will 
do something with that. So it's very common um, to add that to prayers to Featherwind or sailors or anyone dealing with the sea because the god of the sea is dead, but you still have the god of sailors, which is Featherwind. So, yeah. in fairness, we're not actually going over the ocean at all. I probably shouldn't have added that. But... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you, 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 Alusha would definitely recognise that that is that 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 is what you say when you would like to be praying to someone else. Yeah. You say your prayer, you release your pigeon, it flies off to live a happy pigeony life. It doesn't seem to be a particularly tame pigeon, but it will do the job. Yeah. And or get eaten by a peregrine falcon. <laughs> I mean, oh. either way. Rituals don't really care what happens once they. Either leave. way, the offering has been accepted. So, <laughs> getting eaten by peregrine falcons is part of the purpose of pigeon kind. <laughs> the, the place is bustling. Um, Alusha can go back and get her armor, which has been hastily modified. Yep. Uh, I think you paid up front for that, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, besides that, if you would like to write notes to people to tell them that you are leaving the city, feel free. If you would like to go and tell them in person, which is easier for Ah, uh, real. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think... Tell your new boyfriend! Shut up! Does Real <laughs> <laughs> actually know where Odysseus lives? Because I think they just, like, left and he's like, yeah, I live wherever, and... Yeah, I mean, I think you exchange contact details you probably, therefore, actually do know where Odysseus lives. He probably told you um, which boarding house he stays at because that's the easiest way for you to you know, send him a note. If you wanted to do that, he, you, you told him that he could contact you through the temple, which he, he did not pry further. Um, right. But you probably do know where he lives. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll drop by the, the boarding house and see if he's in. What time of day is it? Um... Mid morning, I guess. Just yeah, he's in. Go after we realize that you know we're going to be leaving yeah, shortly. Sure. Yeah. Um. You can speak to the suspicious-looking. Well, as in, he looks at you suspiciously, gentleman who runs the oh, place. Okay, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> no, he, 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 no, he he is looking at you with some suspicion because he does not often get drow knocking on his door. And then you Fair ask enough. after. Odysseus, and then he's like, oh, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Clearly, all drow know each other. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and he will uh, show you up to you know, up, up, up two or three flights of rickety stairs and rap on Odysseus's door and say, you've got a visitor! Shot off back downstairs. And Odysseus opens the door. Not in his dressing gown. He is actually dressed. Um, but there is a certain early morning air about him. Mm-hmm. You'll say, Rill, I wasn't expecting to see you so soon. I wasn't expecting to drop by so soon. I'm sorry, but uh, Not at we all. just got news where... Actually, can I come in? Of course, of course. He'll let you in. It's a fairly small room. It's got like a single bed. It's got a desk. It's got a wash basin. Um... There's n- he, he clearly doesn't cook in here. This is just a place that he can sleep and keep his things. Quick question. 
are there creepy puppets sitting anywhere, like, on shelves or anything yeah. here? Oh, um, okay. Only Felicity. Oh, good. <laughs> that doesn't make it better. But Felicity is out, and she is sitting on the desk uh, where she can look out the window, or could if she was a person. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at least there's only one. Uh, <laughs> Rail is not pleased, but he also doesn't care that much. Uh, so he is going to... Mm, yeah, he's going to, like, get in Odysseus's face and, like, cup his jaw in both of his hands and just, like, lay one on him. <laughs> there, there is... A moment, but only a moment of surprise, and then his arms come up around you. And he is definitely returning this kiss. I'm going to be going home, briefly, and I don't want to think about it. Think you can take my mind off of it? I can try. Yeah, he he is happy to take you to bed and attempt to make your bite off it. <laughs> okay. You are being watched the whole time by a creepy doll. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you said you didn't mind. <laughs> I mean, she was looking out the window. I... Well, yeah, I mean, she's not like staring right at you. Okay. But there is there is a doll present throughout the proceedings. <laughs> That makes it only mildly less creepy. <laughs> yeah, he he does his best to ensure that you have a good time. He only has two nipples. <laughs> I was just thinking, I will be able to answer Tipsicker's. You will be able to answer Tipsicker's question with, yeah, he has the normal number of nipples. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but then, if he has the normal number of nipples, how does he give suck to his evil? T- yeah. You'll have to ask him that question. It's true, it's true. <laughs> if Rill doesn't have the foresight. I almost made another joke, but I'm, that's a little too not safe for work, so I'll keep that one to myself. <laughs> Please type it in the chat. Okay, hold on. Like, I'm not actually sure that Tipsicker has ever asked aloud how many nipples he has. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we save you, dear listener, from our worst successes. <laughs> By just taking them at each other. So if you ever hear one, burst out laughing for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> it's because we're selling stupid things in the text chat. Yes. Yes, you have a nice time. He's very attentive. He's delighted that to discover that things are moving so fast. Um, well, he's he's clearly also aware that this is because you are leaving like right now, and therefore he should not expect any follow-up dates for a while. Mm-hmm. He does not ask you any questions about going home. Good. Anyone else? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got at least two hours before you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> because Rill has vanished. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> Um, hmm. I imagine Ember will go back to the Temple of the Singing Flame and just do a little 
prayer stuff. Sure. However, prayers happen. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of smaller chapels that are kind of set aside for private prayer as well as the main cathedral space. So it, it's quite easy to to find yourself somewhere to, to go and pray. Other people are doing similar things, but it's that unspoken agreement that since you are all individually here privately, you won't bother each other. Mm-hmm. You can light a candle and make an offering and listen to the bells. I think after going to the Featherwind Temple, um, Alusia goes back to uh, her room at the at the guild, and so that she can like practice transforming in and out of um, her clothes. I mean, you you do not have a private room at the guild. Oh, okay. What um, you have is access to a, a, a dormitory of six or eight beds. And there are two dorm. Two, there are, the attic has two dormitories are about this size in it that because you are guild members you are free to go and crash in when you're in town but right, you right. do not have a private room there gotcha okay never mind sorry no it's okay so you say your goodbyes some more thoroughly than others <laughs> gather your things collect your new armor and think we'll pick up next episode with you hitting the road. I'm sure the doll is perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very normal. Extremely.